Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We start out only because last night there was a, it's been all week long, but last night there was a one-hour program on this ship off the coast of Italy called the Costa Concordia. And, and you see what a devastation in our time, a luxury liner larger than the, the Titanic. Well, you guys saw the movie, the Titanic, right? And larger than the Titanic, um, being able to house 5,000 people on board and 1,000 employees and a huge strip mall in the middle of that ship with all sorts of restaurants and amenities. And, and it has a captain. The ship has a captain, and you, Father, are the captain of your house. And last night they were saying, did he have character, or was he a coward? These are the two things. Is he a man of character, of principle, of doing what needs to be done, or is he a coward? And so as the ship was striking uh, off the coast of Italy, a rock, a reef, an underwater uh, monumental uh, piece of stone that ripped a 160-foot hole in the bottom of that ship. And he turned, the lights went out, and they told everybody, just go back to your cabins, everything's okay. Everything's not okay. Your ship is about to sink, and you're saying everything's okay. And that makes for a coward of a captain who doesn't face reality and move in the direction of salvation. And so this man, and, and you know what? It strikes me as odd that they would even care because they said, why didn't he do what he needed to do? You know why? Because he was ordering lobster and shrimp because he was cheating on his wife. At 9 o'clock, he was committing adultery. And so around 9.45, the God says, the ship stops here. And sometimes we're caught in our sin. And we don't realize and we think everything's okay. But you're about to sink the ship and everybody's going down with the ship. They said as they struck the rock, he fell off the boat and landed in a lifeboat. And these are men that leave their families and leave their children and then say, everything's okay with me. And the man that's most hated in Italy today is that captain. The indignation of a man not willing to call the orders necessary to navigate safe waters. A man who, who's scared and has to go with the tide of the influence. Everything's okay. And, and what's more, he was playing around. He says, I want to get as close to the land as I can so I can toot my horn to an admirable, an admiral, um, admiral that was there on the coast, a friend of him that was retired. He says, let me go by and, and say, erk, erk. And he wasn't concentrating on living life in the realm that he needed to live. He wasn't taking care of the responsibilities he had. He's a coward because when problems started, he'd rather put his head in the ground like an ostrich and jump into a lifeboat. 
and say, what the heck is going on with you, they asked him. The chief of police heard him over the radio. Um, we have problems. We've just run aground. The ship is sinking. And you know what he did? The chief of police says, what are you doing in a lifeboat? What are you doing in a safe place? Get back on that ship. And he goes, well, like, I, I, I don't know. He says, get back on the ship. He says, well, I, I don't know because I, he didn't want to get back on the ship. And he's sitting there having the controversy of what he's going to do. Never got back on the ship. And now, obviously, in house arrest, they have, uh, they've held him. And so this is happening this week in Italy. And in the midst of this craziness, to me it's crazy that they would even consider something with respect to character at this time. When men are leaving their families, they're leaving their wives, they're leaving their children, they're turning the face on their responsibility, how come the world says, where is character now? Where is character? And they're saying he's a coward for not taking responsibility. And the Bible warns us, and, and how foolish we are, that every time the Bible warns us, we continue to grow a deaf ear to what the Bible says. And the Bible says that in these days, there will be many that will be shipwrecked in the faith. There will be many who will be navigating so close to reefs, to underground, unforeseeable scenarios. And in one moment, they will go no further. They will go no further. And nobody wants to shipwreck. Yeah, I don't know anybody that says, yeah, I want to look like this picture here and I want to destroy my life and I want to make provision for no journey, for no prosperity. In the midst of these things, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, he says, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant of our trouble which we experienced in the shores off of Asia. We don't want you to be ignorant about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Listen, if you're navigating, there's a difference between navigating and being shipwrecked. Shipwrecked is when you're going in no purposeful direction and you're being thrown and thrown and thrown off course. That's shipwrecked. You're not navigating there's no purpose, there's no direction, there's no discipline. And he says, we don't want you to be ignorant that we were uh, overwhelmed with hardship, suffering off the coast of Asia. We were under great pressure. Listen to me. Far beyond our ability to endure. Once you do the wrong thing, you're going to be uh, casted off into a realm that you're no longer in control. After he disregarded, um, he had a map, this, this ship captain in Italy, and it showed exactly where the rock was. In fact, about three years ago, they, they hit the rock. They, they, they suffered damage. In the, and so they knew that if they weren't careful, that it was going to cause damage. And so here, Paul is saying, beyond our ability and measure, above our strength, to the point that we even hated life. We despaired of even living. See, God gives you all the instruments so you navigate in peace and in joy. But we disregard the map. We disregard the voice. We disregard the direction. And we want to go as close as trouble as possible and think 
we're not going to have problems. We even venture out without even having a course, without knowing where we're going. And then he says in verse um, 9, Yes, we had a sentence of death in ourselves, so that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raised the dead. This is the whole purpose why God allows us to go through issues and hardship. I don't know about you, but when I go through problems, I say, let me get a little bit closer to God. Let me find out what I'm supposed to be doing. Let me check the map again. Let me hear the instruction of God. Let me not despise, be careful. If you read the history of the Titanic, they said, this ship will never sink. Not even God could sink this ship. And they disregarded about a hundred required um, uh, requirements of navigation. They disregarded. They had everything they needed to be successful and just did not pay attention, did not listen to it. But God says we go through these things so we can place our trust more upon God. That we should not trust ourselves. Don't, the Bible says, cursed is a man who trusts in man, but in God who raises the dead. In God who's able to deliver you from these scenarios. Let me ask you a question. On the night before the shipwreck, nobody knew that this man was irresponsible. He was probably telling everybody, everything's okay. Look, I'm going fine. Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. I've been a captain for a long time. He's a fool, the man that doesn't listen when God is speaking to him. He's a fool, the man that doesn't understand that God is pulling your ear because something's about to take place. And Paul is saying, so that we can put our trust upon God and not upon ourselves. That could deliver us from death in verse 10. Who delivered us from great travesty, deadly peril. The admonitions of God for those who come to the house of God is to pay attention. God wants to tell me something. And He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will not only has delivered us, will deliver us, will continue to deliver us. That's God's perfect plan for deliverance. It's God's perfect plan for us to not fall, pray, and victim to these things. And he says in verse 11, you also are helping in this manner because you pray for us. Thank God for people who pray. Thank God for people that care about other people. Then many will give thanks on our behalf and God's gracious favor will be granted to us in the answer of so many prayers. In Acts chapter 27, we're going to go to that portion of Scripture. In Acts 27, that portion of Scripture that says like this, he says that when we began our travels, in verse 1, Acts 27 verse 1, this is the, this is the perils. These are the problems that Paul experienced in his travels. When it was decided that we should sail for Italy, the same country, the same area where this ship had um, started off navigating. It says Paul and some prisoners were handed over to the centurion named Julius. And he belonged to an imperial regiment. He was taking people into Rome. In verse 2 it says, So entering a ship called the Adritium. It says that this ship is called the, the ship of death, the ship of, of, of destruction in, in regards to traveling towards Rome, about to sail for the port along the coast of the province of Asia. And Paul is setting the scene. He's about to get on a ship. I think what you guys understand, we are on a ship. We are on a navigating path. 
I'm going to talk a little bit about what that ship entails in a second. But as they're navigating along the coast of Asia, it says that there the next day they landed in a small town at Sidon. And Julius treated Paul kindly. The centurion that was watching over Paul let some friends come over and so they can talk and, and get together. In verse 4 it says, When we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And they continued to sail. And we had sailed, in verse 5, over the sea off Sicilia and Pamphylia. And we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy. And he put us on board. And when we had sailed, verse 7, slowly for many days, arrived with difficulty off a of synodus. And it says that there, they were, the wind not permitting us to proceed. There was opposition. We sailed under the shelter of Creta of Salmon. And passing, verse 8, with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lassa. And you know that God will always give you a warning before you're shipwrecked? He'll always give you a warning before you're about to get wrecked and grounded for a season. And it says in verse 9, Now when much time had been spent sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over. How many have finished their fast today? We're going to close it up now at the second service and we're going to start navigating closer to God. We're going to start concentrating. People ask, Pastor, why are you guys fasting for 21 days i want to get closer to god i want to be where god wants me to be do what god wants me to do i want to be part of god's game plan i want to hear his voice i'm not fasting to lose weight i want to get spiritually lean mean fighting machine i want to get ready for god i want to be able to hear his voice and i could hear his voice because i've lost my appetite already right we're not thinking about food we're thinking about god what do you want my food jesus says in John 4, is to do the will of God. That nourishes us. He says, when I perceived, in verse 10, the fast was already over, and Paul advised them, here comes the word of God, saying, men, I perceive that this voyage, verse 10, is going to be disastrous. The way you guys are going is going to be totally crazy, and it will bring great loss to the ship and to the possessions, and to our own lives. What, how many of you would have listened to this voice? One. Two. How many would have listened to the voice at, that there's going to be great loss? That there's going to be loss of possessions. There's going to be loss of inheritance. There's going to be loss of privilege. There's going to be loss of honor. There's going to be loss of a, your testimony, your integrity, for a long season. And God is warning us. And God is telling us, you shouldn't be navigating. Man, I see that our voyage is going to be a disastrous voyage. Verse 11. But the centurion, instead of listening to Paul, said, follow the advice of the pilot and of the owners of the ship. Let's go ahead and, and do our own thing. Let's not listen to the voice of God. Let's not listen to the voice of the Spirit of God. Let's put it aside. We don't need to. We'll navigate on our own. We're going to continue doing our own thing. And he says, no longer would they listen to Paul. And it says in verse 12, because the harbor was not suitable into winter, the majority, following the majority, what everybody else is doing, that's what I'm going to do. They set sail from there also. If by any re uh, means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor, a harbor of Crete, 
opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. In verse 13, as they began to navigate, they came up against opposition. A gentle south wind began to blow. They thought that they had obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore to Crete. Verse 14, but not long Not long after the warning, not long after the word of God, not long after God has spoken into your life, a hurricane force called the Northeaster, it's called the Eurocyclone. It's a mixture of two strong winds that people cannot navigate. In verse 15, the ship was caught and could not head into the wind. So we just let her drift. You know how many days? 14 days. Crazy to be 14 days tossed in the wind of our own disobedience, of our own pride, of our own self-sufficiency. And they begin to throw everything overboard. I'm, I'm wonderful. When everything is navigating, we have smooth waters, everything's going in, we, we pack up the ship, right? But when we're about to die... When it's a matter of life or death, you start getting rid of things. In this ship that um, sank this weekend, uh, nobody remembered their jewelry. Nobody remembered their money and their fine dresses and their shoes. They said, let's jump ship. Even the life vest, when they got off to Italy on land, they said, let us have your life vest. You don't need it no more. They said, no way. Nobody's touching this. Why? Because when you have nothing else to do, you make super safe. They're sure that you're not going to sink. Even when you're on dry land, they're saying, oh, the tsunami might come right now. Now they're worried. Now they're concerned. They didn't want to give their life vest. But some Christians have given up not only their life vest, they've started walking away from the ship. They've stopped listening to the captain. Jesus is the captain of our ship. He's the one that's telling you, you're a fool. And you says, I'm walking this way anyways. You're going to die. I'm going to continue calling the shots. You're not going to enjoy life. Jesus says, I have come to give you life and give it in abundance. I got dreams for you that will fill your dreams. Eyes have not seen, ears not have not The plans God has for those who follow him, who, who stay the course, who sail the seas. It says, and running under the shelter. It continues to go in verse 18. And Verse 17, when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship. They started, in the ship, they started wrapping uh, ropes around the under part of the ship to hold it together. You don't need ropes. All you need to do is listen to God. You don't need support. You need God. You need His voice. You need obedience. You need the Spirit of God. You need to listen to the voice of the Lord. And they were strapping under the ship, and they were struck. It says, um, and fearing lest they should run aground, they struck sail and were so driven. And because, verse 18, we were exceedingly tempest-tossed. The next day, they started throwing everything overboard. They begin to throw their pride. They begin to throw their self-sufficiency. They begin to throw their possessions, the things that held them down. This is when we get rid of everything, when we know that we're only safe in the arms of the Lord. We, they started t- t- tossing everything over ground. All their ideas had gone out the door. In verse 19, on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard. Their own food 
That's what the tackle is. Their own food that they might live. Their own future. With their own hands. They, they got rid of everything. I don't know if you have the courage to do that. I don't know if you have the courage to understand that this is a matter of life and death. Verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars appeared, you know what that speaks? No direction. They can't navigate with the direction. The Bible says that the men of God are like the stars of the firmament. They direct, they, they mark, they reference, they show you when you're off course. Oh, I don't want to listen to that star. I'm just going to continue to go. I don't, I'm, I don't follow stars. There's no sun. There's no stars. There's no advice. You're in a wilderness so dark and so deep, you don't even know who you are. How is it that we navigate like that? How is it that we allow our lives to get at that level? Continuing raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Man called yesterday, disobeyed many years ago. He disobeyed many years ago. He goes around questioning. I disobeyed because I really didn't know what I was disobeying because I don't know what. And now I don't know if they were right or I'm right or who's right. You stop listening to godly counsel. You sit there and have no direction in your life. Saul found himself in that scenario. He couldn't go to the prophets of God no more. They wouldn't speak to him. So he had to go to a witch. He went to the witch of Endor. He says, Aunt Jemima, tell me what's going to happen to me tomorrow. Tell me what's going to happen in my future. Why? You have forsaken all godly counsel. You have walked contrary to the spirit of God. You have taken the word of God like it's a joke. And now there's no direction for your life where you lose all hope even of being saved. I don't know if you've ever been there. Verse 21. But long after abstinence from food, Paul stood in the midst of them. Men, you have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete. Verse 21, after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail. Then you would have spared yourselves and this damage and loss. I can't stand Christians who says I should have, would have, could have. Listen, you can, you shall, and you will. Forget about what you could have, should have, and would have done. You're at time. God is being faithful to bring this word, to open the eyes of your spirit. That you might beg the Lord to see His glory. That you might, your ears might open up, your heart, your spirit. And you know what? Unfortunately, we have despised the word of the Lord. You should have taken the advice. But now you are not being spared in the loss. And he continues to tell them. And now I urge you to take heart. Take courage. Quit being a coward. Do what you got to do. Listen to who you got to listen to. Walk like you got to walk before it's too late. I urge you, keep up your courage. Be a man of character because not one of you will be lost. Only this ship that you're navigating on, only these decisions that you have placed your confidence in, that's going to be lost. Thank God. And then he goes on to say like this in verse 23, For there stood by me this night an angel, an angel of God spoke to me, a messenger of God, the God to whom I belong to and I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe, God, 
that it will be just as he told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. And now the 14th, listen, verse 27. The 14th night had come. I don't, I don't know what it is to be one day in a shipwreck, tossed tempest, and storm. Don't want to be. That's why when people say, why don't you get a little bit closer? Why, why can't you do this? Listen to me. I want to be so far from trouble, it can't touch me. I want to be so far from problems, I don't even want to come near them. Because this is not a matter of what I want to happen. It's a matter of I don't want to run the risk of going shipwrecked. And some people say, Pastor, I'm still out here and nothing's happened to me. Pastor, I'm out here and nothing's happening. All of a sudden, a drop door, boom, I never see him again. Never see him again. The Bible says that these men are like reefs. There's certain of us under, in, in, in the fellowship that we hold sometimes, that are sinking our ship and we don't even know it. We'll get to there now. But he says, you must be brought. Take heart. Believe as God has just told me. Verse 35, uh, 25. Take heart. For I believe God that it will be just as he told me. And it's necessary that we run ground. 14 days after. We were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea. About midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some island. And they took soundings. They found it 20 fathoms and uh, the depth of the water there. When they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again. And it was 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped anchors, four anchors. This was a huge ship. It was traveling with 276 people in those days. That's huge. And the sailors were seeing, uh, it says in verse 30, as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had led the, uh, down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion, to the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall. And as they... As day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day, and you have waited and continued without food, eating nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, verse 34, for this is your survival. Since not a hair, when you're, when you're in God's plans, not a hair, a single hair will fall from your head. Not a single situation outside of the design of God will take place. It's powerful to be in the hands of a mighty God. Powerful to follow him. It says they were all encouraged. Verse 38. No, verse 37. And we were all 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lighted the ship and threw out the weed into the sea. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but observed a bay with a beach on it. And they planned to run the ship if possible. And there it was, the finish of their, verse 14, but striking a place where two seas met, dangerous waters, they ran the ship aground, and the prow struck fast and remained immovable. That's what, that's what happens sometimes in life. You get stuck, and you get stuck because you're not listening to God. You'll further go no more. You won't take another step. And it says there, and it says, but Paul... Um, the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. In verse 42, the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion wanting to keep Paul alive kept them from that purpose and commanded that those who could swim jump overboard and get to land. And the rest, um, some on boards and some on parts of the ship, so it was that they escaped the ship safely. And I'm wondering, I'm saying, Lord, I, I want to be, how do, you, how do you deliver yourself in the middle of these travels? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 4, verse 2. He says the secret of being delivered as we live this life. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. Let's start reading verse 1, 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. This is very important, and we're about to finish right here. So men ought to regard us as servants of Christ. The word used there, servants, are those men that are going under a Roman ship, and they're the ones that are rowing, confident on the orders of their captain. They're not calling the shots on their own. They're not deciding what they're going to do. They're not, they're not given over to giving opinions. You know, you're being in a ship and you say, I think we could go a little closer. I think nothing's going to happen. I think we could sit here and, and, and just disregard the orders we're receiving. Paul says, no, let men ought to regard us as servants of Christ. The word servants in the Greek there are the, I don't know if you saw the old movies, the old ship movies. And there's a gallery of slaves. That's what that word servant means, slaves. It's, it's an under rower. They go in the third level at the bottom of the ship and, and they're just rowing to the sound of a, of a drum that's beating. And they're just, they're keeping form. They're, they're rowing in the direction they're told to row in. And they're leaving up the destiny and the future to a faithful God. A God who knows where he's going to take you. A God who knows where you're headed. And he says, I know the plans I have for you. To prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. To bless you. To let it abound in all blessings and glory towards your life. And this is what Paul is saying. Let everybody call us stupid. Let everybody call us dummies. Let everybody consider us as we're unfit for anything. You will be surprised where you're headed if you follow Christ's order. If you're an underroar, anyone who serves with his hands, that's the definition of the servant here. An underrower, a subordinate rower, one who is allowing someone else to direct your life. In Galatians 1.10, he says, if I were to please men, I would not be an underrower. If I was looking for what man's plans are for me, I wouldn't be an underrower. Let people disregard you. Let people speak ill of you so that you can see where God is taking you. He says, I'm trying to win the approval of men or of God. Because if I'm trying to please men, I would still be trying to. But I would not be an underrower. That's the same word. I would not be doing what I'm doing, trusting in who I'm trusting, going in the direction, putting in the price, waiting upon the Lord. The Bible says those who wait upon the Lord will not be put to shame. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll fly at the highest levels like an eagle's wing soaring the heights of God's purposes. I don't know if you want to be the next example of a coward. I don't know if you want to come out. You're probably not as famous as this captain of this ship. And probably nobody will know about you. But I guarantee your wife will hate you. Your children will despise you. They will say you weren't a man enough to follow the plans that God had for our family. You weren't there calling the shots. You were having a good time. You were befriending your friends. Toot, toot, tooting your horn. And coming near the rocks that were going to bring you down. Before all men, you will be an example of those that navigated, not on course. You forsook the humility of under under rower. Allowing, it says like this, we are now living a quarter century later. And it says, if the church is like a galley, like a ship, and the only possible way of going anywhere is every war rower listening and obeying the captain 
Every single one of us sitting there being faithful in what God wants us to do. Each one of us. Today I know many fine Christians who want to serve God. Perhaps we've fallen victims to rugged individualism that dominates our culture. Everybody doing as they please. There is not much interest in rowing together. We miss the spirit that God wants to do on this ship. Pulling together the vision from God. A clear sense of a high calling. No matter how we row, if we're individuals, we will go nowhere. But if we all row according to the beat of the captain's drum, we will get to our destination. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that whomever you give yourself over to listen to, you become a slave of that person? How horrible. We listen to everybody except God. How horrible. We listen to every advice except godly counsel. Do you not know yourselves? Do you not know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as a slave, you are a slave of the one you obey? And whoever you're a slave to will determine if you live or die. It determines on, on whose orders you're marching and living whether you will be free or enslaved. I want to let you guys know that our calling to change the world is only going to happen to the degree we listen to God. He's the one that has the perfect plan. He's the one that's putting it together. He's given an inheritance to our children to be princes and princesses, nobility and royalty, to be recognized in every nation as having the garment of world-changing people. And we don't. We want to wear things that, that reflect any other glory. And the Bible says the things they boast in will be their shame. How horrible. God calling you to big purposes and you unable to attain to those purposes. And so here is where Paul tells a young man in verse uh, 1 Timothy 1.19. He says, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Verse 18 first. Young man. I give you this instruction. Listen to the preachings that talk about you and my destiny for you. So that following them, you might fight the good fight. Fight the good fight, yes. We're not on a cruise ship. We're on a battleship. There's discipline. There's listening to orders. There's obedience. It's not a cruise ship. It's not a luxury liner. It's not recreational. It's not what we do on our time off on Sunday. It's a matter of life or death. He says like this, listen to the prophecy so that you might warfare. Verse 19, because uh, hold on to the faith. Hold on to this word. Grab it with a good conscience. Because those who don't grab onto the word and start twisting it in their mind have rejected these. And so they have shipwrecked in their faith. They're not navigating no more. They're cowards. They have gone off ship. They've left everybody abandoned. Wife and children to our own devices because we didn't take God serious. Verse 20. These are two brethren of whom Hymenus and Alexander whom I've handed over Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. You know what that means? Two guys that were on the ship. They weren't talking like God. They weren't walking like God. They weren't living like God. Paul says, devil, you could have him. You don't want the Spirit of God to do that. You don't want God to hand you over to your destruction. You don't want to be really sunk in the ship 
really shipwrecked and then cry out to God and say, anybody help me now? Anybody talk to me now? Anybody encouraging me now? A young man last year came up to one of our elders and says, please speak to me because I don't hear the voice of the Spirit. Speak to me. I don't understand God. And he was a minister of the gospel. He was a youth pastor. He was a man that navigated well for 18 years. And then started going shipwrecked and going away and disobeying and following away from the faith. To his destruction. To our sadness. And so Paul is telling Timothy, be careful because so many have become shipwrecked. Like these two men who have, have to be learned not to blaspheme. The, the word blaspheme is the sin of pride through speaking. This is not going to happen to me. This is not what's going to happen to me. This won't happen to me. Listen, it's God who's speaking to you. Don't defy the challenges of the Spirit of God. He says, among them, these two were handed over. And it says like this in 1 Timothy 5.15. 1 Timothy 5.15. Some have in fact already turned away. Some are turned over to Satan and some give themselves voluntarily over to the devil. Some are obeying people that don't have the Spirit of God in them. That are not using the Scriptures to forewarn future events. 2 Timothy 2.17 says like this. The words of these men spread like cancer. They spread like gangrene. You know what gangrene? It's when, you're, when, you're, when the extremities begin to not have connection with the body. They start rotting and falling off. Their teaching, their words are like gangrene. These men who have gone shipwrecked that Paul tells us. So we need to stay the course, fight the battle. In James chapter 3, verse 4, he says, look and be careful. Because the tongue is like that which directs the ship. The words you speak will direct your lives. Take ships, for example. Although they are large. You know what this captain says? I turned too late. He was one minute late from turning. One moment that it was too late to turn. I think that this word has come out in season. I think we're still a time to navigate wonderful waters and the destiny set the course by our God. I, I can't wait to see where God's going to take us as we continue to be faithful under rowers. But where are you going? I don't know, but he knows. But why are you doing it? I don't know, but he knows. And his future for me is bright and glorious, and I will continue to serve him. I will continue to be faithful. But ships, take an example, although they are large, very large, and they're driven by strong winds, they are steered by just a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. What is that rudder? It's the, it's, the, it's the tongue. It's that which you articulate. You're not agreeing with God. You're disobeying. You're justifying. You're walking contrary to the winds of God. Jude chapter 12. It says, be careful who you fellowship with. Why? Because certain men, Jude chapter 12, I mean verse 12, Jude 12. It says like this. He says, certain men are like underwater reefs. Can we put that up in the Amplified? Do you guys have that there? Jude 1, verse 12. Certain fellowship is not good for us. Certain fellowship 
is, uh, is, is a problem. Let me see if I find that real quick. Very important. You guys have it up there? Yeah, there it is. This is the Amplified Bible who, who grabs the Greek and stretches it out so that the message is delivered uh, formally. It says, these are hidden reefs. These are things that are sitting there. You're navigating close to things that are going to wreck your ship. You weren't called to be close to these things. They're hidden reef, elements of danger. They sit there and they fellowship in your love. They want love, love, love. Where they boldly feast, substantially, carousing together in your midst. They come and they go. They don't have scruples. They're only concerned about their selves. They are clouds without water, swept along by winds, trees without fruit, late autumn, gathering time, twice dead roots plucked up. They're not going to give for fruit. Why? They don't listen to God. They don't navigate clear waters. You never see any fruitfulness in the kingdom of God in their lives. Stay away from those people. Walk close to Christ. Walk close to Christ's servants. Get close to the leaders that are in the body of Christ or paying a huge price. Father, we thank you this evening, this, that, this morning, Lord. We thank you for this word. We give you thanks that it's, it's a word in season, Lord. We want to have the character of courage, Lord. We have to have the strength to follow the, our captain, which is Jesus Christ. We need to navigate these waters with life and death in our hands. Not just letting stuff go adrift. Not letting stuff go asunder. Not just going in our own way, in our own thoughts, in our own counsel, Lord. Father, you always send a good word in season, Lord. You always deliver us from Satan's snare. You always deliver us from the destruction that befalls the fool, Lord. Father, you said the wise man will hear godly counsel. He shall cherish it. He shall hold it near to his heart. He shall be brought close to the ways of the Lord. But Father, those that do not listen to you will wander off and find themselves gathering in the congregation of the dead. They will be gathered with those people that will be shipwrecked in this life. They will navigate no further, you say. Ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth, Lord. We give you thanks for your spirit in this place this morning, O oh God. We pray that this would be a world-changing church, navigating waters to be seen by all men. We pray that you give us the power of your spirit to know that we are in a, in a, in a mighty ship fighting the, the, the warfare of this kingdom, Lord, not on a cruise liner. We pray that your peace and your joy would be upon us, that we would prosper. Say to the righteous, it will go well with you. But the Bible says, say to the wicked, woe, you shall be destroyed. Your ship is going to sink. Your foolishness will catch you. Your sin will find you out. And we give you thanks, Lord, for this timely word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to show one little video real quick. We got it up there? Here we go. You guys enjoy this. As soon as the video's over, just greet one another and just say, are you on board or off board? <laughs> <laughs> 